Welcome back, everybody, to the Hustle on Purpose podcast. My name is GT Eichard, and today we have a very special guest, Randy Jones. How are you doing, Randy? Doing awesome. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, just give us a quick introduction. I know you, but um, everybody that's watching doesn't. So tell sure. us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Yeah. So um, I work for First Community Bank uh, here in Little Rock. Uh, the bank is based out of Batesville. It's about a $2.4 billion bank, and that's how much assets that, that the bank has. So that's kind of the measure of how large the bank is. Uh, lending limits, about $24 million per relationship. And so here in Arkansas, that's a good size to, to do a lot of everything we need to do from, from home equity lines of credit, car loans, all the way up to, um, you know, industrial loans. So right. a little bit about me. I grew up not too far from here, actually, in southwest Little Rock and went to J.A. Fair High School, um, went off to play football my freshman year and came back and uh, started at UALR, worked my way through school as I worked for a bank, and um, met my wife my first semester there, and we eventually got married after we graduated and been together for 27 years. Congratulations. Uh, married for 27 years. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, very, very proud of that and the family. I've got two sons uh, that are both in college and play college baseball. And uh, so that's that's what we do in our spare time right now. I no longer get to throw batting practice. I just get to watch other people do it and, and yeah. watch the kids play. So, right. um, but so I'm a Little Rock guy. Grew up here. Uh, went to college here. Worked my way through uh, banking in college. Had a love for it then, and have um, worked in several different capacities in lending and investments, and. Um, over the past five years have really built a niche for real estate, uh, single family real estate investment property. Yeah. And, uh, um, I've come a long way on that and, and have a lot of good customers that have built up, a a, a sizable loan portfolio for me to, to manage and very thankful for them. And, and also for first community bank, giving me the, the resources I need to be able to help my customers too. We'll stay away from just how much money I owe First Community Bank. <laughs> um, but yeah, you brought up a, a, great, a great point when talking about uh, the size of First Community Bank and it being really large for the market that we're in. Mm-hmm. Something that I didn't realize before that I think maybe you can touch on that'll be really helpful for people is the, the benefits of a local bank versus a national or international bank because I fell under this kind of misconception that dealing with the real estate portfolio I was trying to build that I was going to be better off dealing with a larger national or you know larger bank you know you Mm -hmm. think of like Wells Fargo and Chase and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and it ended up being completely opposite that was completely wrong. Right. Right. Um, so maybe you can touch on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. And I've, and I've worked for a large bank and a lot, much larger bank, uh, in a different capacity before, but, um, the main thing you'll get with a community style bank is that we're reinvesting all of your deposit dollars here in the state. Right. And we have a couple of locations just outside the state in Southwest Missouri, but, um, we're the guys that are going to be 
uh, sponsoring your ball teams, um, paying for signs at at uh, high school stadiums. I've seen your sign at the new Southwest High School right yes. here, and that amazing basketball gym that they've got. I've seen your sign up. There. Absolutely, that was a, that was a big thing for us to be in the Southwest Little Rock community and, and do that mm-hmm. sign too. And so we we're reinvesting in the communities that we're in. Um, also, um, as a community bank, we're looking for. Uh, partners, depositors, and, and people to loan money to that, that are wanting to grow with us. And um, yes, we like the, the larger loans as well, but we really want to be able to dial in to, to helping uh, everyone from, from start to finish. And so um, the larger banks, they, lo- they want the big institutional relationships with the, with the state, the, the municipalities, uh, they'll want um, the large industrial clients, mm-hmm. um, their, their profit margin is just better there and they do some consumer lending, but for the most part, um, their niche is not small businesses. Right. And so, um, we like to, um, we like to say that we, we, we really help everyone, um, Right, uh, and that's from top to bottom. We have a community room in most of our locations uh, that a lot of the um, people around the community use for free. Uh, as long as they have a deposit account with us, mm-hmm. they they use that. Uh, we want the people to we want our clients to come in our branches, not just use our app, which right. we spent a lot of money on uh, technology uh, over the last five years to make sure that's. Um, that's uh, upgraded along with the larger banks too, because they usually kind of lead the way in that. Mm -hmm. And I think we've actually passed a lot of them up in that side too. And so, um, uh, we, like I say, we, we have a lot of different business lines as well. In addition to lending, uh, we have our own insurance company. Uh, it's independent brokerage company and we have our own investment company too, as well as a trust department. So we have all these other business lines that add to the value that our customers have access to, mm-hmm. um, that they not only uh, come to us for, for loans and, and a place to deposit their money, but uh, the other side of finances too. Right. Yeah, and like with the uh, – I like to pick on Wells Fargo because I have – issues with I've had issues with Wells Fargo previously I think a lot of people have they do what they do good but right. they but uh, at this I shouldn't say at this level but in at this type of relationship they're they're not good at it yeah. right yeah in my mind I think I had gotten to a point where it was like well this is a sizable loan or refinance I'm looking to do um I was just, I was so ignorant to how a bank like First Community worked and just thought that, well, the only bank that's going to give me a loan this size is going to be a mega institution. Mm-hmm. And it's so silly thinking back on it now, like to even, even a bank the size of um, First Community, mm-hmm. I'm small peanuts, like teeny tiny, not a blip on the radar, hardly, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but in my head, local banks were for car loans or, um, you know, maybe like a HELOC or, right. or originating a mortgage, but then they sell it off to somebody like sure. Wells Fargo, right? Yeah. That was just my misconception. Right. So I think, 
I think I'm not alone in that. So I'm glad that we're able to talk and let people know that, hey, you can still get that personal touch. And honestly, it's going to be a better experience for you to go with that local bank, mm-hmm. build that relationship, especially if you're going to be a real estate investor professionally. Right. The value of that relationship is really hard to quantify, um, but it's worth starting to try and build that as soon as you can because it's better for everybody the longer you have consistent deposits with the bank or whatever the better that relationship gets the more y'all are comfortable with each other then it's going to allow you both to move quicker when you need something you need um whatever it is there's always a need for money sure sure and the way i've the way i've explained it to my people who are just getting started I kind of relate it to a train sitting on some tracks, uh, still on some tracks. And when you get started, um, we you have to turn the wheel slow and and go with the pace of it. And I know you're a lot of times people are wanting to go faster and faster, buy this deal, buy that deal. They got access to capital, so they they think they can they can move a lot faster. But it's really the you really got to take your time, get a couple years of income, get a year of income on your, on your tax return. So we can see that you're making a profit. Mm-hmm. And then we pick it up a little bit more. We do another house, we do more houses. Uh, right. we do a line of credit. And next thing you know, you got the train moving forward. Um, cause if you try to go too fast, those wheels will slip and you're going to be back stopped again. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the, 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 that's kind of my analogy I use with, with respect to talking to, to new people getting started. And I'm happy to say that there's people I've, I've helped before that are four or five years into the business, and they basically really had nothing at the start. Right. We're able to work with them, but just a little bit of a down payment, uh, help fund the improvements to a house. Then they moved on to the next one and the next one and the next one. And then we pulled them together they sold those off, had equity and started over again. And so now they're in an yeah. equity position and, right. and now they have you know, a couple dozen properties and a net worth of, uh, you know, a couple million dollars already. And, right. they, and this was three, four years ago. So, yeah, it, it scares people to quote unquote, like start slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you don't realize is with starting slow, you build that foundation and then it can, it can scale pretty quickly. True. And, and you learn a lot of the, the hiccups along the way at that mm-hmm. while you're going slow. So when you, when you make mistakes, they're not, they're not huge mistakes. As catastrophic as. Yeah, exactly. Just- yeah. And so, I mean, uh, dealing with contractors, dealing with uh, suppliers of materials, um, the market fluctuations, the Cash crazy flow. stuff we've been yeah, through in the exactly. last couple of years. Yeah, like hundred percent. You could have bought way too many houses at like the wrong time and all of a sudden bad things happen. Yeah. That happened uh, you know, in the in the two thousands, uh two thousand seven, eight, nine. We right. saw a lot of people uh get way ahead of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so and I was a part of uh lending at that time too and, and learned a lot. Right. Uh but the older guys at, at the time in the early two thousands we're always cautioning, you know, let's, you know, let's make sure these customers of ours have enough capital behind them before we, before we move, move on and let them borrow more money. And, uh, some of them heeded that advice and some of them didn't, 
but uh, moving through that, it you know it, it gave us a lot of perspective, especially when we get into a market like this and the rates rising as fast as they have. Right, it put a lot of pressure on banks. This episode of Hustle on Purpose is brought to you by Arkansas Real Estate Buyers. If you have a problematic piece of real estate, we would love to help you. Go to the description, click on the link, schedule a free consultation with me personally, and we'll get you set up. Now let's get back to the show. I tell people all the time, like when we're talking about, you know, I'll help a client buy a house or like a personal home or something, um, make sure they get pre-approved and all of that. And it's like, I just warn them ahead of time. Just because the bank approved you for a certain amount does not mean that's what you should spend. Right. Right. Because even I was shocked when my wife and I were shopping for our house um, in our financial situation at the time. And like the lender came back with this number that I was like, we're looking at the same stuff, right? Like <laughs> yeah. there's no way we should be approved for that much money and that monthly payment. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and, and thankfully we did not go spend all that money. We got something less expensive. But, sure. Yeah. Um, I got my uh, background in lending, um, uh, working in the mortgage side first before I got on the commercial side and, right. and experienced a lot of that. And I worked closely with our mortgage lenders at first community too, um, in referring business to them and customers that I have. And uh, you're exactly right. There, that game is ever changing, though. And mm-hmm. uh, I bet there's not three months that go that goes by that uh, there's not some new rule, law, underwriter yeah. change on on those secondary yeah. market mortgages. And uh, it's real important to have somebody who has experience to navigate you through that, right? Um, and somebody that yeah. you ideally that you believe has your best interest at heart. hundred percent. And that's another thing about working with a bank like first community where it's like, you can really focus on building that relationship and you, you are hopefully avoiding having somebody just selling you the biggest mortgage they can. Cause it's, it benefits them. Right. And, um, and, and they price it that way too. That's going to, going to be a way to benefit them. Right. Uh, other yeah. than, other than you, even though it's a friend, you know, from, from high school, from college, from church or something like that. And, uh, um, uh, it's, it's good to have a relationship with a banker that, that knows what you are trying to accomplish in the end. Right. And, uh, and um, is willing to like, maybe not take the most immediate financially beneficial option for them. Right. And, truly offer you what's best for you. Right. Um, and, and what will hopefully be best for them long-term because the better you do long-term financially, the better he'll do. And it's, it can become a a mutually beneficial long-term relationship. Exactly. But you have to be careful when you pick your lender. That's right. It's really just the word of caution we're trying to get out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not, I measure my success by how successful my customers are, uh, not by how much I'm getting paid. And uh, that's the biggest compliment to me is when when somebody comes to me later on and, and thanks me for um, taking them from A to Z and getting mm-hmm. and getting there. And uh, that's that's what long term banking relationships are for. Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't make it in your business doing what you do without. I, I don't think, I mean, sure, there there are people that get away with 
predatory lending is a term. Yep. But um, just like in any other business, car sales or, or any kind of sales tend to tend to have an opportunity for uh, they can have a predatory nature there. Right. But those people just don't make it long term because right. how you make it long term is you treat people right. You do the right thing. They refer people, though the people that you treated white, they flourish. They come back to you because they were treated right. And exactly. That's exactly how you you stay in your business you've been in for so long. That's right. Yeah. And there, there are other lenders out there like me um, and, and First Community and a lot of different markets across the country. Um, Banking is a very highly regulated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was at one time looking and about to give a, a, a speech to a group about uh, fair lending. And I, I think there were like 40 different acts, congressional acts since the 70s um, on fair lending and, mm-hmm. and what, um, and, and changing things. They've needed to be changed. Right. Uh, there's rules in place, but, uh, and, and every year we actually, bankers go through a gamut of um, continuing, continuing ed about yeah. fair lending, uh, about compliance. And uh, luckily we have a really good compliance department that uh, keeps us um, on our toes when it comes to that. Right. And uh, um, we've got a really good back office team that, that does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good because it's all... Most of that, I imagine, if not all of it, is just consumer protection. Absolutely. Because our, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it kind of wears me out. We'll pass 40 congressional acts to make sure bankers aren't allowed to mislead consumers, but we won't have one congressional act that requires some financial education in high school. Yeah. Like I said, bit of a tangent, but wears me out. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because that is another thing that we do at First Community <clears throat> is we in, we're involved in high schools and going in and giving speeches about uh, in lunch lunch and learn type of situations with that's great with yeah. seniors in high that's school. That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, um, but yeah, there's there's not enough emphasis put on um, making good financial decisions and, uh, um, and people have to learn the hard way. Right. I feel like I, I feel like I learned it all the hard way. Um, and I look back and, and I have conversations with people my age now, early thirties. Um, and we'll have conversations about, you know, they want to get involved in real estate investing or they want to buy a primary residence for their family or whatever. And we just start having a basic conversation about, credit and financials and um you will have more experience with this than i will because it's not my profession but you just Mm -hmm. get this deer in the headlights like Mm -hmm. you talk start talking about even my very cursory knowledge about lending options and stuff like that and it's just deer in the headlights yeah and then you sometimes you have to have that unfortunate conversation with somebody about well really like you're gonna have to start building some credit and that like there's no real shortcut to it that I'm aware of. Like it takes some time and, um, you know, you're going to need a down payment and you can just walk through the whole gamut and everybody's situation is different, but Mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, how much of this, 
how many years of these people's lives could be saved? How much better would, I don't want to get political about it, but how much better would the country be if everyone had at least a basic level of understanding about some of the stuff? Sure. Yeah. Or at least paid attention to what was given to them, you know? Right. um, It, I, I do it all the time. I have people that maybe a good, are good at their trade, a plumber, welder, they own a business, um, but they don't know how to keep books. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to create a financial statement. Um, And it's something you have to to walk people through so they understand what a bank's requirements are when it comes to how to um, document a loan and a loan relationship. And, a lot of people don't understand that they have to give financial statements every year when you get a when you get a commercial loan. It's not just on the front end like you would a, a regular house mortgage loan. Right. And so we have to walk them through the uh, process of creating financial statements and and looking at what a net worth and is and and how you you get to that point in that equation. Right. And so it's uh, um, it's being community bank we we definitely have to do our share of educating <laughs> yeah, right folks that are just getting started as well as those that uh those companies that are up and running and know what they're doing mm-hmm. and um uh we we have great products for them too so yeah. it's uh, um it's it's almost like a jack of all trades situation right. uh, kind of like uh, if you equate it to being a doctor it's like a family practice doctor right versus yeah you can um, do a little bit of it all swiss versus, army knife of lending yeah versus going into i guess mega bank and uh, that guy's a uh, um he's a specialist surgeon that that knows nothing about um you know taking care of your uh, mm-hmm. um uh your runny nose and cold that you got. Right. But well, they, and the mega bank yeah. is, it's just bureaucratic. Like is how I see it. It's like, yeah. it's like going into the DMV and you're talking to the person mm-hmm. and they're just reading off the mandatory things you have to have off of a computer screen. Right. There's no personalization. There's no flexibility. Right. You're trying to have a conversation with them and they're like, mm-hmm. they're, they're like a robot. It's like, I just need these four documents so I can put them in this thing so that you can go talk to the next person. Absolutely. And there's no like understanding of, well, I brought this in last week or like, you know, I'm waiting on this, but I have an email that it's with the number you need. And they're like, no, I need the actual form. And there's, there's none of that personalization and flexibility. No, no. And I'm glad you found us. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. Well, and, and I was glad you, (laughs) I was glad you didn't call me out by name. Uh, (laughs) I felt like when you were talking about walking people through some of the, some of the, the stuff that's necessary, the annual reporting and stuff for Mm -hmm. those commercial loans. Cause I'm, I'm always trying to learn and I'm always getting myself into new things and having, having you guys with a, it's great that like, I, I know y'all I've met y'all personally. And like when I get an email from you, it's not just, I'm not having to like verify my account number every time. It's like we have a relationship and it, it makes it to where we can, y'all do walk me through a lot of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, I, I have to get that together. Cause I definitely fall into that category. I think you mentioned like plumbers where it's like, yeah. you get into business because you have a, a niche skill set. Like mine's, 
if I have one, it is buying real estate and renovating it. Um, what ends up coming along that with that is all the unexpected stuff and it's all the bookkeeping and it's all of that stuff that is mm -hmm. super important, but I have a tendency to not be as on top of that as the stuff that I'm good at. Right. Uh, I like focusing on the stuff that I'm good at. Sure. Well, that's why you lean on us uh, for, for right. help with that. But it's like with me is, I, you know, I see hundreds of projects a year mm -hmm. and if you walked me into a house that needed to be renovated, um, smelled bad, trashed out, um, and you see, call me, I'll walk you, you through. You it. see opportunity, yeah. <laughs> and I look at it, and all I see is, man, that's a lot of time, and it smells bad in here, and that's yeah. all I could think about because right. I don't have that creative mind like you guys. And and there's so many people out there that have that, yeah. That um, I just have to trust that. Okay, give me a list of all the improvements you're going to make with with detailed prices, right? And um, we'll take that and get it get it to an appraiser, and and they'll let us know what we think this house is going to be worth, right? But I I don't have that vision. Yeah, I, I tried it. I had rental property at one time. Absolutely hated being a, a being a landlord. Yeah, um, I did not like. Did it. you like the financial side of it? You're like, man, this makes so much sense on paper. Oh yeah, but like the operational side of it is sure. where it's like, this is. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I didn't like getting calls to right. like, Sunday night at eight o'clock when to get a toilet unclogged. Right. You know. Well, and the <laughs> stove always goes out on Thanksgiving. Is what I always like <laughs> yeah. talk to people well, about. Well, I've said it before. It's like I feel like if you had a graph, it's just the calendar year yeah. of, of when stoves quit working, and there's just this huge spike on Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> it's like good the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. it's um, kind of like a heat and air in in about June. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, it all happens about then. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, and like I said though, I mean. Uh, and that's what I love and appreciate is there are so many people out there with that vision and that, that innate ability to, um, to be able to see a project and a profit by just walking in mm -hmm. and they just see, okay, this is this much, this is this, this is going to be that much, this is going to be that much. And I've got, if I got a, that means I have to pay X for a house and it's going to cost me X plus Y to, to right. fix it up. So Z is my profit here. Mm -hmm. And, um, that way I can make a decision right there to, to, right. to do it. I, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Personally, I, I would have to go back, put it on a spreadsheet. And then by that time, you know, the, the deal's already gone. Right. And, uh, because you guys have to act pretty quick when you decide to put an offer. Well, that's where like the experience comes into play. Yeah. Um, but it, it takes, I think the interesting takeaway from that is, even just in this, the small scheme of things, this little real estate ecosystem, it takes all kinds of skill sets and personalities and whatever, I mean, to make, to, to make this whole real estate market flow like it's supposed to. Right. And like when somebody tells me they want to get into real estate, sometimes it's, it's an education process on what their options are because it's another thing that like I kind of I kind of fault our education system because you know every little every six year old either wants to be like a cowboy or an astronaut or a right. firefighter or whatever, but some of that doesn't really end when you leave high school. I left high school having really no idea what all kind of options are out there, and it's like 
I thought the only way to get involved in real estate was to be a real estate agent. And I had done some sales jobs previously and I knew commission-based sales were not, I was not a great fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, well, I guess real estate's not really for me. I ended up getting a job for a real estate investing company. And, and once I was real estate adjacent and in, in real estate a little bit, you find this, like I said, whole ecosystem of jobs that work in real estate to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people, real estate investing, buying rental properties, isn't the right thing for them. You have to have, there's, there's your personal risk tolerance. I mean, the numbers can get really scary for people and it's a lot of, it's a lot of upfront work for very little immediate reward a lot of times. Um, but so I'll tell people, even if all you can do at the time is get into a real estate adjacent job, that's a great starting spot because you will learn a ton, even if it's going to be a receptionist at a title company you'll learn more about real estate in your first two months there than you can ever imagine. Oh, absolutely. Um, or whether it's, um, a, you know, some kind of job at a local bank, you'll learn yep. so much of how the lending needs to work. And that's, that can get your wheel spinning on how you can get that first property if that's what you want to do. Or maybe it steers you away from getting your first property because you really like the lending side or whatever. But jumping into their first real estate investment isn't the right thing for everybody. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, uh, and we see, we see people come in and, and talk and with us and, and the first thing they say, okay, I want to buy an investment property mm-hmm. and they don't understand that. Okay. Well, once you, once you buy it, the work's just getting started. Right. Uh, even if it's a hundred percent turnkey kind of thing and, um, there's so many things you have to do uh, paperwork wise, as well as, uh, um, staying on top of it, answering the phone, um, yep. and dealing with, um, tenants. And, uh, it is not for the faint of heart sometimes. Right. Uh, some people are great at it and some people just, uh, um, just aren't cut out for it. But what's interesting though, like you said, uh, so many people start on one side of real estate or another and then get into, get into investment real estate. And that's yeah. a, that's a very good take on, on, uh, um, on how to learn your way around, uh, the landscape as, as you called it, the, uh, um, the, uh, ecosystem of, right. of real estate and, uh, from title companies to insurance companies to lenders. I mean, Insurance, uh, contractors, contractors, um, uh, buyers, agents, sellers, agents, um, yeah. Inspectors, property management, appraisers. Yeah. Everything. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. There's, there's a whole gamut of people there that are involved in home inspectors. There's yeah. There's it, a, there's a long list there of like great careers that are real estate adjacent and you'll learn an incredible amount. And right. those are easy segues into learning the kind of stuff we, we talk a lot about on this channel is like what assets you would target and why, and the, does it fit your short-term, long-term goals? And cause there's, I, I know hundreds, if not thousands of real estate investors and they all do it a little different. 
but for the they, they all make it work as well. There is no like right or wrong way to do. Uh, there's wrong ways. I shouldn't say that. There's definitely wrong ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so let's let's say somebody has made that decision though. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel like they've got the knowledge. They understand the benefits because. I would never want to crush anybody's dream. If you want to get into real estate, I think it's incredible. Um, and it's a proven way to build and store wealth and provide for yourself, your business, your family, your community, all of that. Like it's, it's, it's so drastically improved my life that I want more people to be involved in it because I think, um, I think it's incredible, but all that to say it's not easy, but if somebody has made that decision, from a lending perspective, and granted, I know it's super situational. It's based on the person's finances and their right. goals and what they're trying to do. But what what would you say are the basics um, to run somebody through maybe some quick options or things they could do to prepare themselves for coming to you to buy their first investment property? Sure. Well, <clears throat> first of all, from investment property, you know, you can have – is it going to be a rental property that they're going to buy and hold or are they, right. going, to, are they going to flip the house? Right. Uh, are they going to sell it on contract to somebody? So, right. I mean, that's even at those three, let's just, let's just say they're, they want to flip their first house. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're, they're going to have to have some residual income to be able to, be able to make those interest payments uh, on the investment loan um, during the process. And, uh, they got to be able to make those payments while they're, while that's going on and while they're, while the house is on the market too. And right. so, so the first thing we do is do a cash flow analysis of their ability to repay that. Mm-hmm. And the, w- the way we do that, uh, we get three years of, uh, personal tax returns and any business that they own at least 25% in. Um, and so, uh, most of the time somebody's just getting started, they've, probably uh, have a W-2 job somewhere else yep. and uh, and have a history. And so that's really easy to to go and do. And uh, we have a threshold that we go by that that's pretty standard industry-wide. It's, um, uh, it's called uh, debt service coverage, and it kind of works as the inverse of a debt-to-income ratio. And... Uh, um, Debt service coverage is minimum can be a minimum of 1.2 to 1.3 uh, times their debt service coverage is what the the ratio we're looking for. Okay. Um, uh, so their income has to be 1.3 times their um, uh, what their all their debt going out is. Right. And okay. so um, and that's for for a business. And. So we'll need three years of tax returns um, and a personal financial statement. And a personal financial statement is basically a balance sheet where you have your assets on one side and you list all those. And then you have your liabilities on the other side of the sheet and you list all those. And the difference between the two is your net worth. Right. And uh, then there were some other personal questions about your income and, uh, and then where your assets are located. And you sign that financial statement and date it. And, and that, along with your three years tax returns, are, are what we need to at least get started looking. Yeah. Um, most people want to buy a house in a company name to separate the liability, uh, mm-hmm. from, 
you know, somebody slipping and falling, uh, or a contractor there, uh, getting electrocuted, God forbid that happened. But, um, uh, and to, to have the taxes within that business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of people have to create, if they're just getting started, create an LLC Mm -hmm. and, uh, we will need, um, a couple different things that, uh, they'll also, we'll need a tax ID verification, um, an operating agreement for that LLC that says who can do business in that name. Right. And then also the, uh, um, verification with the secretary of state in whatever state their LLC is registered. So, and likely Mm -hmm. some form of personal guarantee from the person, like just because you're buying the asset under the name of the LLC, Mm -hmm. the bank's not just going to let this new LLC that's just been formed go buy a, $300,000 $300,000 house or right. Exactly. So yeah, that is and a lot of times I, I assume people know that and, right. uh, and, and they I, don't, <laughs> and, they, and they don't. Uh, and yeah. so, um, uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, personal guarantee at this level of banking is a must. Um, I, I could count on, I may have done in, in all my years, I'm 52 years old, been in banking a long time. And, I may have done one or two loans that are non-recourse and somebody did not, they were strong enough to where the the person didn't personally guarantee the loan. Yeah. So that's just an established business. Right. It was that has, you know, lots of reserves and and capital of its own and not, not any way that it could be shifted from one person to the next. And so a lot of times um, people will ask, okay, well I'm the one doing all the real estate. My wife has her own business and, or she works and does that. Does she have to be on it too? Well, if she owns half your house, uh, if she owns, right. she has a beneficiary on your life insurance, and she's beneficiary mm-hmm. on on your um, your four hundred one k where your assets are built up. Yeah, uh, yeah she's going to need to personally guarantee it too right. because assets can be shifted and moved, and um, there are things that that uh, that can be done. So. The bottom line, though, none of that means anything as long as everything goes well. And right. then when um, when people's market goes bad, people start having problems, then they start worrying about, okay, well, who personally guaranteed this? And right. I can't think of one instance where a bank wasn't motivated to try to keep somebody in business and keep making those payments and, right. um, and worked in their benefit. Because... Yeah. The last thing a bank wants to do is is to have property back. Right, banks or, or aren't collateral. built to hold assets like that. Yeah, yeah, we we do not want collateral back. We don't. Want they to. do a poor job at it. I mean, you see these like bank-owned properties, foreclosures, mm-hmm. whatever. Like mm-hmm. they they're just sitting there and they're on somebody's balance sheet somewhere. Right, and like it's just it's a big headache for them. They don't want them. That's right, and, and then there's companies that that um, uh, attorneys and, and collection companies out there that, that make a living off of uh, collecting for those. Right. And, uh, um, but as a banker, I'll, I'll say this, that that's the last thing that we want to do is, mm-hmm. is to get in a situation where we have to try to work things out. It's just like me as a landlord. It's like, I want that person to live there and enjoy the home and pay their rent every month. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what I want happening. Right. I don't want that person to like 
lose their job and need to move out, like, A, that's bad for them and I feel bad for them. But also, like, I'm not getting my payments every month and now I've got a house that I've got to go do something with. I've got to go fix it back up and get it rented back out. And, like, I take a hit on my income. It's a double whammy, right? Like, I'm not getting the monthly income and I got to go put money in it to get it fixed. And um, we we all want everybody to thrive and be successful because it allows us to run our business the way it's supposed to run. Right. Um, but so from a lending perspective, some of that is you and or your spouse likely need to have good credit, work on getting good credit. Both of you is just a good idea. You both need to save money for down payments in your business and out of your business to have it on the uh, your personal financial statement. You need to have your job and keep it for a long time. Yeah, until until you've built up a big enough business to where you can service all that debt without mm-hmm. your personal income and uh, without from another job, I should say, and uh, and then uh, you know I've seen I've seen some people be able to do that in about five years, mm-hmm. uh, somewhat quicker, but um, but for the most part, they need to have um, have that income from other sources when they get started right um we have resources to be able to help people build their credit if they don't have good credit um we actually on our on our app that uh, first community bank has for all their personal accounts we have a uh, um, a credit monitoring uh, part of it that tells you exactly what your current credit score is at any given time right and you can also play with it and say okay if i went out and bought this car, what is it, how is this going to affect my credit if I paid this much for it and this is how much my payment's going to be? Is that going to make my credit score go down or up? Right. And uh, Don't do that right before you're about to close on a house or like, because we've all heard the horror stories. It's like, you you go to your lender and it's like, hey, I know we're closing next Thursday. I just quit my job and bought a new car. Right. It's like... Yeah, exactly. Well, there's one side of that. And the other side is, okay, if I get it over a 720, say I'm going to 715, if I get it over a 720, I get a better pricing on this mortgage. So what do I do? What do I need to do to get this mm-hmm. over a 720? Well, right. sometimes it's it's actually put something on your card mm-hmm. and, right. and and buy something on it. And sometimes it's, it's okay, let's pay this down and that down. Right. And you that'll increase too high. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's great to be able to have those, uh, um, those tools and, and also talk to our mortgage uh, loan officers that, that right. have that experience that yeah. know, know what those uh, ins and outs are of that. Yeah. So. And all of that kind of segues into something else I wanted to talk to you about. So that's typically, uh, with the idea in mind that you're going to get a lower rate. So I would, I would be mad at myself if I had you on today and didn't talk about interest rates. Cause it's, okay. it's been, I mean, I know you have to be exhausted from <laughs> talking about it so much because everybody wants to talk about it because yeah. it's, it's just been such a wild ride the last couple of years, at least well, year, especially in right. March of last year is when our first increase in prime came, uh, to, uh, to start staving off inflation. Right. Uh, and, and again, let's, let's talk about that because that's the end goal and the reason why the fed is, is raising rates. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and let's also back up and, and explain that mortgage rates for secondary market loans 
are different from commercial lending rates. Um, mortgage rates are based on uh, loosely on what what prime is and what the Fed funds rate is. And when the when the Fed increases rates, it it's loosely associated with uh, the the mortgage rates. Um, so yes, they they both increase at the same time, but at different speeds. Uh, sometimes mortgage rates go down and, and Fed funds stays where it is. But um, And I just want to touch on that for a yeah, second. Sure. So is, is that my understanding of some of that is there's a lag time oftentimes from when the Fed raises the rate to when mm-hmm. you actually see it affect mortgage rates because mm-hmm. it's – that lag time is kind of a measure of how long it takes the bank to lend out the money they already took at the lower rate. Sort of. Is that a terrible way to? No, well, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not an economist, but uh, uh, from what I know, um, mortgage rates are based on the ten-year bond yield, and okay. there's only about you know, less than 10 people out there buying mortgage loans. And so you've right. got your originators of loans, some large banks that'll hold them in-house and some that are just there to buy loans from correspondent lenders right. uh, that are smaller lenders. And so they all end up at the same place and they pool them together of uh, similar credit scores, uh, maturities, uh, you know, 15 years, 30 years. Right. Um Go watch the big short. Yeah. It explains. It's exactly the, that. The yeah. Jenga, it's Ryan Gosling with yeah. the Jenga with the double A's and the yeah. yeah. Exactly. And so so mortgage rates are based on a you know a whole different theory. Um, but the way the the government, the US government affects inflation, one of their tools is um, is raising the overnight Fed funds rate. And that is what affects what we call prime. And mm-hmm. so, for instance, if um, you have a bank that that has, um, let's say their average loan portfolio or, or bond portfolio that's, that they have is, say they're getting 5% return on, on that. So that, that's a pretty that's pretty standard of what was going on before the rate started to go up. Okay. And as rates increased, um, banks had to start increasing what they had to pay on deposits. And so banks make money on the spread between deposits and loans. And so as, as we have to increase what we pay for deposits, that's, we have to increase what we pay for loan, what we charge for loans. And so, in order to maintain that spread. And so when, when interest rates moved so quickly, so fast, um, you know, we still have banks out there that are, that are paying three and four and 5% for deposits Mm. for, for CDs and, um, their average loan portfolio, even though they're booking loans in the eight, 9% range right now, the, their still average loan portfolio is only at 5% or 6%. And right. so very low margin. So the, the margin is squeezed right now. Right. Yeah. And so that that's, that's why you see a lot of banks struggling mm. um, at this point, but you see other banks who continue to be strong right. in that. And, uh, um, and we're definitely one of those, but um, you have to 
banks have to stay out in front of that. So, so yeah, right now we're, we're doing loans in the, you know, up there pretty good in order yeah. to stay ahead of it. Prime is at 8% right now. Wall Street Journal Prime is what yeah. they, what they have it. So, so um, where, where does that put you all at? Cause it's obviously there's a spread above prime. Yeah, it, it depends on on the uh, deposit relationship, and so uh, because of this situation, we every relationship is looked at based on you know what not only how much they borrowed from us, but how much they have on deposit with us too. Mm-hmm. And so, the more they have on deposit with us, the the better pricing that they that they'll get in relation to prime. Right. And so, so start building that relationship with so, your local banker ASAP. Yeah, build a relationship <laughs> with a local banker. Keep your money in that bank. Yeah. Uh, and even though we're, we don't have banks on every corner like some of them, uh, that are even closing branches right now. Um, uh, we still have all the um, all the gadgets, the the apps, right. the access to it. Um, and it's all going that way, anyways. It it, it is, yeah, and and. But we still want you to come in our branch right. and, and come see us and build that relationship, though. Y'all's new building out there uh, is awesome. People should go check it out. We Do the we, tour of the new facilities. Yeah, we love it. Um, customer cafe in there, um, free coffee, um, gourmet coffee, as well as a smoothie machine in the lobby. So kids, yeah. love, kids really love that. Yeah, and the green wall. They've got a big... Uh, I don't know. I just call it the green wall. It's it is, plants, yeah. But <laughs> Live plants on yeah. the on the wall, yeah. yeah and cool. uh, it makes it nice to be there. Great place to work. Uh, really fortunate that uh, our leadership has uh, invested in our market here in Little Rock. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, you know, First Community is only 26, 27 years old. Wow. That's um, impressive. And, uh, and we've built it up from just – a little over a million dollars um in our as the bank opened to yeah. um wow. 2.4 billion so, incredible um i can't let you go either without asking if you have any like crazy horror stories you can tell maybe not horror stories but like um i always like asking because in in real estate i mean just in business in general you run into just like some crazy people and crazy stuff happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything you can share without getting too specific. No, no. That, and that's fine. And, and probably the first thing that comes to mind is something happened when I was investing in real estate. Oh really? Um, yeah. Perfect. So I, uh, um, I had, I think we had a little over 10 at one time and I started selling that's them off. Awesome. And, uh, um, uh, we moved out of town, out of Little Rock for about five years. And I had, uh, um, a local property manager that was managing mm-hmm. the properties for me. And, um, what I did not realize is that there was a, there was a fee to, um, to manage the property. And then there was a fee for them to go in it and manage it every, and actually go in and see the property. And, and that cost extra. And I didn't yeah. know, and I didn't know that right. uh, they, so they called me, wanted me to meet me meet them at a house that I had that was vacant and I get there and the roof sunken in in one part um yard was in disrepair I mean it had obviously not been managed and right. we walk in and, and the smell was outrageous and yeah. mold in the bathroom oh, and no. obviously somebody had been living there without without right. power or water oh, for a no. while yeah. and 
opened the refrigerator and there were three little bottles full of water that they were getting from the neighbor's hose next door. And uh, uh, I was like, well, how did it get like this? Why, why weren't you over here? Right. And, and that's when he told me it, it, it cost extra for them to, to, uh, um, to actually go check on the properties. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. But, right. um, luckily, oh uh, um, my wonderful mother-in-law, who's an expert at real estate too, she oh, came, awesome. she came in and, uh, um, looked at the property and was like, all right, it's going to cost you this much to fix and we can sell it for this. And we ended up doing that and, and got out of it. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but that ended up, what was interesting, it was the last property I owned, uh, and it was the first property I'd bought. And really? so, um, uh, and it was a really good deal, um, in a, a good residential property neighborhood and ended up getting out of it. But that would be my horror story is that, yeah. that, uh, there's no such thing as, um, passive right. investment when right. it comes to real estate. Yeah. That's a, you touched on a really big misconception. It's like that it's just going to be mailbox money. And there are real estate investments that are more like that. Make sure you know what's what you've signed up for, though. Right. Yeah. It takes. I. I even having some experience have fallen into the trap of like, I'm paying a third party management company. That's a. That's something I don't have to pay that much attention to because these are people that I've met with. I trust. They're handling all of this, and um, you. I go focus on like before the stuff that I'm good at and I enjoy doing and what pushes the needle forward, so to speak, buying houses, renovating them, adding them to the portfolio, all of that. And then you look up and it's like, Oh man, like I have to really spend a big chunk of my week managing the management mm -hmm. because no one's going to care about as much as you do. They have a lot going on. The squeakiest wheel gets the grease and you, you really, even once you get to the, the point where you're hiring a management company, you have to be on top of them and managing, managing, even if they're good, you have to manage them more than you would think that you would need you to. You do, you do. And, and, uh, and that was my fault in that I, I assumed, uh, that the level of management they were doing was, was a lot right. more than what it was. Yeah. And, uh, and I can't fault them for that. Um, but it, yeah, it was, a at learning experience at the time i really shocking. did fault them for it believe right. me um, yeah. but um yeah and it, it just goes back to know what you're investing in and mm -hmm. and know your parameters at all times when it comes to that yeah. so and luckily you had a, an exit strategy there that worked out for you and it's all fine i got got really <laughs> lucky it was a yeah. softer point uh in the real estate market um and was able to um, get it to where um, it was it was really wanted and and we had somebody come in and buy it so awesome. it was it worked out fine it worked out fine yeah good was there anything we missed anything we didn't talk about man i don't i don't think so <laughs> uh, we, we pretty much hit on everything yeah. uh it, it again i love what i do uh, yeah. i love getting people to the finish line um and uh, uh getting them started and again, the measure of, of a good banker success, I think is the success of their customers. And so, yeah. uh, we, that's what we believe, uh, at first community bank. Um, and, uh, that's why it's been a great fit for me. And yeah. since I've been there for almost three years now, yeah. well, I'll thank you. You've been an incredible help for me and, and in my ongoing journey. And I look forward to continue 
building our relationship because I, I plan on being in Central Arkansas real estate for as long as I can be. Right. So um, my relationship with you and the way you've helped me grow has been incredible. So can't thank you enough and can't thank you enough for coming out today. Oh, you're so, welcome. Um, reach out to Randy Jones at First Community Bank if you're in the Central Arkansas area. Uh, he'll at least be able to point you in the right direction, even if he's not the best fit. But with all the stuff they offer at First Community, I think they'll be able to help you with whatever it is you need or or get you started on your journey, whatever that journey looks like. So right. thank you all for watching the Hustle on Purpose podcast, where we try to bring you the knowledge and encouragement you need to better serve yourself, your business, your family, and your community. Uh, look forward to seeing you next time and go out there and hustle on purpose.